Hello and welcome to the Broadcast News Wrap, your shorthand guide to the week's TV news brought to you by the broadcast editorial team and guests. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart and it's virtual MIPCOM week. International editor John Elms joins me with a roundup of the remote market as Netflix's Ted Sarandos hits back at critics, while we've got an exclusive interview with MIPCOM organizer Reed Midem's TV director, Lorraine Garot. All that, plus the ever punchy what we've been watching on this week's Broadcast News Wrap. So I'm joined this week by international editor John Elms. And John, it's been, it's been a tough week for you. You would expect to be in Cannes. You bloody love it. And instead, here you are, rooted at home, desk chair. Uh, but you've been covering MIPCOM as you would if you were, uh, if you were out there itself. Um, so welcome first. Good to have you back on. Great to be back on, Max. Yeah. Actually, I was on last week, so it's not like a, a really long time <laughs> since I've last been on the pod, but it's good to be back. <laughs> it's too long, too long for our it's listeners. too long. So you've, you've, you've been following things closely this week, regardless of the... Um, well, I, I've, this just comes up all the time, doesn't it? Every, every festival we cover at the moment on the pod, we talk about how sad it is that we're, we're still stuck in our living rooms. So I think it's almost a perennial problem at the moment. Uh, it it but, is. But regardless, you were following things closely. Um, what have been some of the key takeaways for you from this year's market? Yeah, no, it's it's been interesting purely from the fact that it, it, it is so far removed. I mean, you know, because it's a known, known quantity, um, it, it's easy to kind of have ideas about what it should be like and what it might be like. And until you've actually done it, you you, you don't realize it. And um, and I think, you know, uh, some of the, 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 the keynotes that um, I I saw were much like uh, being in the physical event. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the Ted, San, Ted Sarandos one on uh, Monday was uh, fascinating, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that could have been, that would have been fascinating were it live in can or pre-recorded as, as it was uh, in, in this case. So, yeah, I mean, just taking that as a kind of reference point because he is probably, you know, in the top five most prominent media execs in the world, you would say, um, as the co-chief executive of Netflix. He was he was quite interesting. He gave a quite, you know, holistic um, viewpoint of what's been going on at Netflix. Obviously, Netflix have had a pretty good time over the last six, seven months uh, in the pandemic. Um, and so he reflected a bit like on, on their, you know, their wider expansion into pretty much every country in the world. Um, and the, the story that I wrote uh, about it was interesting from the fact that he, he kind of touched on something that I, I, I think is, is quite important in TV, mm. especially now when everyone's demanding content, is how long you keep a show going for and mm. what, what is a cutoff point. And he was, he was in quite a pugnacious it was a pugnacious tone because i think that i i think probably people at netflix considering how big it is and how popular it is i think they're getting probably a bit annoyed that people harp on about when a show gets cancelled i mean we all do that but i suppose they're saying like well we're delivering you so much of the best new content mm-hmm. um yeah he, th- he thinks criticism has been slightly unfair right in terms of the 
the decisions Netflix sometimes makes to, to cut shows quite short. But do, do, do you think it's been unfair? Do you think he's fair to come out and say stuff like this? I think there are some slightly aging views on what constitutes success. Um, and a show's longevity is, is perhaps one of those. But then the flip side, and I, I, it's a point that I, I think is really important to reiterate. You know, I've just finished watching the 10th series of The Walking Dead the 10th series of The Walking Dead has just finished. You know, that's 10 series of a show that's been going since 2010, which pre-exists, predates Netflix's own originals, um, originals output. Um, uh, so I think, and, and, and that series was really highly rated. I noticed it had scored like an average of 7.25 on, on IMDb or, or one of the rating sites. So I think he's a little bit, I think there's one element that is true on his part, but another I just don't agree with because, you know, if you can get a show that is in, um, that fans enjoy and is still going in, into its 10th year, then that surely is a good thing. It depends. It depends yeah. how you see his. Is I, I thought it was interesting his line about not propping up a show beyond its creative life. Uh, I think it, mm. it depends because kind of like what you're saying, re really, The Walking Dead proves that uh, uh, an arc of a create a show's creative life can go up and down, right? I th I think I'm actually broadly in agreement with him. I think sometimes uh, Netflix can be slightly unfairly treated in this respect and there are just so many shows that do for me lots of shows do go way beyond their creative life so i think it's yeah. fair for him to identify this but maybe he's using it as an excuse a little bit like culling culling lots of shows tuca and bertie or something would be quite a good example where i don't feel like that was cancelled because ted sarandos or the powers that be thought that had gone beyond its creative life i think that was cancelled right. because they just thought it wasn't particularly popular or not reading in the subscribers or or wasn't particularly to their personal taste so maybe it's it can be a bit of an excuse sometimes um, and what else john was there um, were there any key shows uh, that that were being particularly marketed or, or or anything else big that cropped up for you yeah well i think i think it was last week actually you know our, our colleague alex farber uh, broke the story about um i hate susie being bought by hbo max now hbo max in their um conversations at Edinburgh said they were looking for acquisitions, acquisitions um, from the English language market, particularly in the UK market were a big draw for them. And they were buying them up perhaps as acquisitions, pure acquisitions or as international originals, you know, getting the first window in the States via HBO Max and therefore being able to put a, an HBO Max branding on it, original branding on it. And they did, uh, they bought um, adult material, uh, the 50 Fathoms, um, Channel 4 show um, about the, the the pornography industry. That's been doing okay on Channel 4. You know, I, it hasn't, it started off quite well uh, with Channel 4 and then unfortunately halved its, um, halved its uh, 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 viewers in the second week. You know, it's, it's on a, a 10 p.m. I, I think there are myriad factors for why a, a drama halves its audience mm -hmm. um but i thought that was an interesting acquisition you know it's quite an edgy quite big big topics big themes it's it's a very streamer type show and it's four parts so you you know it's a it's a kind of a mini series length and i just thought that was interesting and in the same breath um all three media's um political drama roadkill which is going to come out in the uk in the near future with hugh laurie that as pre pre-sold around the world and they those kind of stories dropped on pretty much the same same day you know and all three media 
show and an, a Banerjee rights show going to big international buyers. And it just pr- goes to show again, the strength of UK drama in the international market, which is very good. And that, you know, complemented another sale of all creatures great and small the day day before which is a really domestic drama that sold really well great stuff john well i think that leads us really nicely onto your interview with laurine garaud director of the tv division of mipcom organizer reed midem hello uh laurine uh, it's great to have you with us on this the i believe the penultimate day or the final day of the the the, the latest the, the new mipcom as it were well, hi, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is Thursday, <laughs> we're speaking, and NIPCOM week goes on till including tomorrow. Uh, and then it's not finished because uh, there's the follow-up period until November 17th. So uh, it's um, going all very well. We're all very excited. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I think, obviously, you know, this year has been a difficult year for everyone um uh, in the world let alone the tv industry it's been but it's also been particularly difficult for those in your position what's the experience been like to get to this point and organize something on this well we've been working on uh what was going to be a visual complement for many many months so it's been a very big project with a large team working really really hard on this uh so um for us this is something extremely important And what we have succeeded in doing is bringing together the international TV community online. And to maintain the MIPCOM flagship week, uh, and that was our goal. So it it was, it's a huge job, but uh, the numbers uh, speak for themselves because we have to date uh, 6,700 delegates and people are signing up every day. Um, including uh, 2,400 buyers. Again, uh, numbers are, are increasing every day from 100 countries, and that that's pretty amazing. That that's just like MIPCOM. It is MIPCOM, but uh, it's exactly uh, completely international. And you know, Korea is the country of honor. We have a very large delegation from Korea, and there are over 800, actually close to 900, uh, virtual exhibiting companies. Um, pages. So it's a very, uh, very large and very uh, event online. Absolutely. And, and from your perspective, obviously, this is new for new for Read BDM. It's new for everyone. Uh, how do you feel that the event has gone so far in, in, in relation to all those delegates and, and buyers participating? Well, we feel it's going very well. As I said, we're bringing together international TV community and that's what we meant to do. And there were two um, big sections that we thought were the most important. The first is the networking. Um, so the, we you know, chose a networking um, tool uh, with capabilities to do just that. Uh, and the second is the ability to uh, screen and discover a new content uh, through the system. So, um, all that is working well. Fantastic. And, and um, from, from your perspective, you know, what have been the highlights so far of, of this new offering? Obviously, it's something that's, that's different for all of us. What have you been your highlights so far? Well, the program is exactly what we're going to do for, for MIPCOM and CAMP, um, just transposed online. 
Uh, and uh, so what was different though was that we started a week earlier for warm-up week and that went very well in the sense that we had uh, some quite I think excellent uh, conferences in terms of um, market intelligence a whole stream of market intelligence and production funding forum we've gotten very from clients and also quite extensive coverage uh, from the media so that's one thing that was the week before and that was done to help prepare uh, for meetings and to help give context to uh, where the situation worldwide uh, was on and is uh, for the industry. So that's one thing that was and during this week, uh, there are highlights, I can't go through all of them, but the global upfronts, which was the big new event um, that we've been planning for over a year uh, with partners, the BBC studios, ITV, all three media, Viacom, CBS, and many others uh, showed fantastic showcases of their new slates. Uh, and I'd like to thank our supporting partners for working together because this was going to be in the auditorium. And here uh, with our partners, they've we've produced uh, high quality uh, events that are online. And what do you what do you feel you know perhaps hasn't worked as well or or, or, or you you know you've taken on board and you might you might you might try and sort out in the future what hasn't worked as well? You know what we'll be doing in the upcoming weeks is really focusing on having a, a very sharp understanding of how um, people participants are using the platform uh, in many different ways and at different uh, angles also in different cultures. And uh, we're we running a survey, of course, and talking to our clients. And so we'll take all that feedback uh, and take it into account for future for the future. For sure, for sure. And and do you think that the that this will form part of future MIPCOM events or or, or MIP MIP events that you will be harnessing more online? I'm sure that the digital part is here to stay in a very important way. Uh, what's important now is the articulation between what's physical and that is extremely important and what can be online. Fantastic. And, and obviously, you know, the nothing beats the in-person um, effect of, of, of the things that, 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 you know, that, 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 that social interaction that we know is so important for the TV industry, obviously looking ahead and I'm going to come on to another, some other question on this looking ahead, you know, how do you hope to be able to, come back in a physical form uh, next year you know what are your early thoughts on perhaps MIP TV and and then MIPCOM you know a year from now well as you said everybody wants to meet in person uh, that is what we're hearing very strongly from our clients and we're hearing it online from MIPCOM online uh, all the time uh, so we plan to be back in Cannes in 2021 of course, we're monitoring the situation very closely. Uh, we all know that the what it is right now. Uh, as you said before, and as we were just saying, uh, the digital complement will be there for sure. And, but the most important thing is that our goal, and I said that before, but it, it was absolutely true. Uh, our mission is to gather the international TV community uh, in the best way possible and in the most effective way possible given the situation absolutely i mean that that's for mipcom obviously mip tv was also the event that you know that it was the first one to 
have to go online and obviously you learned took a lot of those learnings of the online proposition that you had to do very quickly then um with with that in mind with that data and what you've got now what do you feel is the early stages for mip tv are we are we is it still dependent on the situation that the world is going through with relation to the coronavirus pandemic well, it's exactly what I said. Right now, we're going uh, to be in and we have our dates, uh, 12th to 14th of April, just as planned, alongside Cannes series, which will be uh, occurring for the fourth season. Um, and we are uh, certainly looking at the situation uh, as to what the sanitary environment is going to be. And we'll be discussing that and with the media in the next weeks. I just wanted to ask you about, obviously, uh, about change for good. Um, it is something that was articulated in, in the, the sessions that I w had the privilege of chairing last week. I had a number in the unscripted brief, which was a great privilege. Um, you know, uh, for harnessing that, that those, those different aspects of change for good um, in the future, you know, what do you hope that to, to kind of invoking the industry with that with with obviously the platform that mipcom affords obviously i i tuned into the diversify awards i think those are the fourth mm -hmm. of those you know how yes. how can mipcom and the wider community play a part in in that change for good um mantra i think we can and we must uh because the whole international community as a whole has a huge power and a responsibility uh in my mind to, to have changed together and we can we saw with the first SDG award uh, to Jeremy Darrick Sky for all that they've do, been doing for uh, climate action um, there's I mean there's a lot to be done and there is a lot happening and to share first to exchange on what's happening to celebrate it but especially to exchange and see how we can do more together how through uh, efforts in terms of uh, different um, projects, but in the way we create programming, we see that people are watching TV in all its forms around the world more than ever before, and that's great. And so therefore, uh, the power to influence in a positive way uh, is hugely important. And we see with this uh, COVID situation that it's all linked somehow to the, the climate and the environment, and uh, it's, it's all, and it's all intertwined in a, in a strange way. Uh, I, I feel, I mean, I think that it's, it's and the diversity um, with what's happened this year during a pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, that, that, that so much happening. And as I said, it's intertwined in a weird way. Um, and it has to be addressed. And I think it, to me, it's, it's a very important uh, mission for uh, the international market that we are. Absolutely, absolutely. So it's not just once time. It's it's something that's going to continue. Like I said, the diversify. You said the diversify um, TV Excellence Awards. It's the fourth year, so this is something we've been. It's been very important for a long time, and it's be even more. It's always important. Uh, the Women in Global Entertainment. I just was watching uh, the Women Global Entertainment lunch. So the panel on uh, surviving Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, these, this is the ninth time we do this. It's, uh, these, these issues are uh, all the more important. And I think we all need together to, to find the inspiration 
to help the world. I think we cannot undermine how important that is. And by way of a final final question, uh, Loreen, it's it, it is a serious one. Obviously, that's been a difficult. It has been a difficult year. I come back to what I first asked you, and there's been a lot of lot of discussion about what what when things could have been done and and timings and obviously you know read organizing this it, getting f less and less physical and more and more online as the year uh, the year went on what's your message to the industry about about you know mipcom and mips the mip event strength for the future given the uncertainty that we that we are in and and what's the message to delegates and distributors and buyers that you can give for for future for future events well the physical markets will be back uh just talking to you clients uh, friends uh we know how much we all miss uh, seeing each other for business and for the humanity part which is a big part of the business which unfortunately today uh the situation we have to see each other through Zoom or whatever, and that's great. <laughs> Luckily, we can. But it doesn't change that there's this need to, uh, to meet. The physical markets will be back. And the need for business efficient markets, I think, will never have been more important, uh, whether they're online, but especially physical. And I think people may travel less and be more, um, let's say, a picky, I know that's not the right word, uh, but you know, choose their travel very carefully. Uh, and so it's, it's our mission and our business to make it so that uh, our events really as the one-stop shop gives the context, the business, and the, the good experience uh, that this industry needs. Fantastic. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Lorraine. Uh, thank you so much for taking your time out of what is still an ongoing event. And uh, yes. Good luck for the rest of the, the time that it's on. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Fascinating insights there, John. It's been, uh, been really good to, to have both you and Laureen discussing the market. Uh, but of course, we couldn't disappear without facing up to one of our favorite segments, what we've been watching. John, what hath thou been watching? I like the way you introduced it that time. We're gonna. This is gonna be a meme, isn't it? At some stage. Well, the worst meme in the world. I think we like what? the idea that it'll be a meme. I like the idea. We've been after all the we've been talking about um, Netflix. I absolutely binged my way through Sneakerheads. Um, it's a really, really great show. I, I loved it. Um, it's from um, uh, as you said, it's a Netflix show. It stars Alan Maldonado uh, from Blackish. Um, and Andrew Batchelor, uh, his mate, they're, they're a buddy comedy. Um, it's a buddy comedy. And I think the, the point that a lot of critics have made about Sneakheads is that if you like the subject matter, which is essentially about um, trainer collection, but trainer collection and, and selling, it's, it, it goes into the kind of this, this, um, this slightly rarefied world of, of selling trainers, of getting really rare trainers and, and buying them and selling them. It's about sneakerheads, sneaker collection, trainer collection. I, I used to have this idea that I'd be a trainer collector when I was younger, but I didn't just don't have the money. It's a serious business. But as, as I say, it's a buddy comedy. It's a bit large in life. It's completely, um, you know, escapist. And some of, the, some of the, the kind of decisions made by the characters just wouldn't happen in real life because... 
I mean, families. I mean, one one of one of one of the episodes concentrates on them going to Hong Kong. Just just off the cuff, they have to go to Hong Kong, which I think is quite amazing. And they have to do it in a basically less than twenty four hours or forty eight hours. Uh, and they do manage to get from LA to Hong Kong and back, uh, and still have time to like run around Hong Kong. I mean, yeah, there are lots of things that <laughs> don't necessarily add up, but the but it was I thought it was really good. I, I really love the subject matter. Obviously, I love trainers. Um, I thought um, um, Alan Maldonado and Andrew Bachelor together as the the kind of the, in the buddy comedy role uh, buddies role were fantastic, and I ripped my way through it. It's half hour episodes, and um, yeah, I did it in an all all in an afternoon. Um, wow, bingeable. Very bingeable. Who knew Netflix could order bingeable programs? Does it does it, does it have a good creative shelf life? Uh, yeah, it, it oh it definitely left it on a uh, on a on a cliffhanger for um, potential series two. How about you, Max? What have you been watching? Well, for, for what it's worth, I've also been watching a Netflix series. So we do next next week. We must we must broaden our horizons. But uh, I think I'm a bit late to the party. But I've I've watched the entire first series of Dark which is the uh, uh, German language, one of, one of the most, or possibly the most successful German language series on Netflix. Uh, and I absolutely give it my seal of approval. It's like Stranger Things, but much more complicated. And I just think quite a lot better and, and, and quite a lot more interesting. Stranger Things obviously had the kind of cultural 1980s cachet, which Dark to some extent also has, but the story arc is uh, in places quite insane. And really, it's sort of really difficult to follow, but compelling enough. I don't know how much you know about it, John, but without giving without giving too much away, it moves between several different timelines, all each of 33 years. Uh, so it kicks off in 2019, starts hopping backwards to 1986, and then moving forwards and backwards freely. And you have to really have your wits about you to know what the hell is going on. But it's a challenge. It's been fantastic once again having you on the pod. Uh, thank you for giving us all the latest analysis and I'm sure we will speak with each other again soon. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, Max. Cheers for having me. Thank you for listening to the Broadcast News Wrap. I'm senior reporter Max Goldbart and you've been listening to international editor John Elms and MIPCOM organiser Reed Midem's TV director, Laurine Garot. The pod was edited this week by me. You can check out past episodes of the News Wrap on Spotify and iTunes or on the website via www.broadcastnow.co.uk.